Well, that sure was an episode. Ah, I can't wait to have a lengthy and in-depth discussion about it. Um, you know, water polo is a real sport in real life. Okay, I'm kind of joking here, but it's funny that I literally just, I think last episode, just talked about how, you know, Enterprise isn't that bad, really. Really, I swear, it's not that bad. Oh, God, please. You know what? I actually considered this one for lamentation status. I did. What kept me away from it is, honestly, this is just dumb and boring. And as I've said many times, Lamentation's a step below that. But I will go ahead and admit, we're entering kind of the gray area here. So if you want to call this a Lamentation, I, I wouldn't contest it. I'm not even sure there's anything good in this episode. Hmm. So we see the Kratassans. They show up, uh, played by Von Armstrong, because it's always Von Armstrong. And we discover that the Kretassans are actually the reason why the Federation in the TNG era has the extremely uh, please-walk-over-me-again form of diplomacy. This is where that actually originated. Uh, this became something of a standard uh, method of operation, as Archer himself recommended that every time they meet a new alien race, they bend over backwards and do everything possible to appease them constantly, rather than try to actually approach things diplomatically or with any form of negotiations. Then, we see a snot monster. So Hoshi gets upset at Paul. I'll cover back to that one in a bit. And then Tucker tries to cheer up Archer with water polo. You know, I've been thinking about this for a bit now. Archer, uh... Well... I mentioned the continuity stuff. Archer's really big into water polo. In fact... We get, I don't think it's ever stated outright, but we get several inferences that he actually used to play water polo, which is probably part of why he's in as good a shape as he is. And for whatever reason, he decided to go into Starfleet. I swear I have a point there. I just want you to remember that for a little bit later, okay? Anywho. So, Tucker triggers him up. We see more of the snot monster. Uh, Scott Bakula fails at being an enthusiast. How many of you have something you're really into? Yeah, I've, I've got things. I'm probably coming across as tired and bored right now, but that's because I just watched this episode. But you know how an enthusiast acts, right? I'm sure you've seen me do it plenty of times, both on stream and here on these pre-recorded things I do. So you've probably seen me just gush for a bit, right? Like, I can't even hold myself back. And I don't even mean to. It's just a topic that really gets me, like speedrunning or tassing or physical fitness or the medical industry, or lawmaking, and, and uh, state building, statecraft, history in general. Um, you know, there, there's tons of things that I look at, I'm just like, oh, I, you know, I, I just, I love sitting here and just actually really going into it. And they, there's just sort of this natural energy that flows from an enthusiast. You can always tell. You can always tell when someone's really into something. And you can always tell when someone's not really into something. And... I'm starting to really wonder if Scott Bakula really is part of the problem with Archer. I hate to say that, 
Because it's entirely possible he's just acting the jo- the role he is being directed to act, but th- he's not been impressing me in any episode thus far. The nicest thing I could say about Archer is that he is so du- directly and deliberately incompetent that it's actually part of his character. And that's not much to go off of. Anywho, so then there's this not-monster again. So now we're at bad CGI. I know, I know, they had... They had to... uh, uh, They had to have CGI in order to do the monster. But... God, it looks terrible. Like, I know, I know, I know. Bad special effects are a Star Trek thing. After I finish this, I'm going to be covering TOS. They're going to be terrible special effects in TOS. I've covered TNG. I've covered early DS9. I've covered some Voyager. I've seen some bad special effects. But the snot monster really, really, really doesn't work for me on any level whatsoever. Because at first it's portrayed as a horror movie monster, and then it's portrayed as kind of like the Borg, and then it's portrayed as, oh, no, wait, no, we need to interact with it. You ever, you ever notice that violence never really works in these kind of things? Right? Using force doesn't work because we're beyond that, because you should never use force. What's wrong with you? Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to arm the torpedoes to go blast some people out of the stars because they attacked us. Oh, wait! That's what irritates me about things like this. The episode comes across as moralizing twice, once with Hoshi and once with Phlox. In fact, at one point, Reed starts talking about how this is already a hostile organism, and he's right. Now, we could say that the thing just wants to go home and be with its peace, and that is actually valid. But Reed is also 100% correct. As of this moment, this is a hostile organism that they should be trying to defeat. There's nothing wrong with simultaneously trying to work on communicating with it, because that's valid and doesn't interfere with the former process. However, it's nonsensical hippie to put it bluntly, in order to look at the situation and say, oh, well, we just need to get along with it. You know what? how people reacted to the last race that showed up and just started assimilating people left and right? It wasn't with hugs and kumbaya. By every definition, with the information we have, before we can communicate with this thing, it is a hostile alien organism. An invader, no less. It is also actively trying to tie into people's nervous systems, connecting them together to, to merge them into one creature. Okay. This then cuts to Hoshi and to Paul bouncing off of each other a little bit. This then cuts to uh, them doing what they can. The guy... Oh, God, I didn't write his name down. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Um... Joseph Will, who plays the, the, the ensign guy, Mr. Rostov, in this episode, he actually does a decent job of portraying this kid who's just kind of in over his head and is worried. In fact, I'm sure several people watching this were assuming he was going to die. But no, we, don't, we won't have any deaths on this ship for quite a while, actually. Which, believe it or not, I like. I'm, I'm anti-redshirt, as I've said many times. So, you know, he does a decent job of his role, and I kept, it kept bothering me, and then I realized he's the guy who played the poet over in The Muse back in Voyager. Which is funny, because this episode was directed by Ro- Roxanne Dawson, a.k.a. Belonoctorus, the main character of The Muse, who worked alongside the guy who played the poet, which is... 
Anyways, <clears throat> just wanted to mention that little bit of trivia because I don't have much else to talk about. Reed decides to invent a force field. <laughs> you know, just yesterday I was talking to my Discord about how the second biggest thing that bothers me about Enterprise is the fact that they just have way too futuristic of tech. And I really liked, and i got to use past tense here, the down-to-earth, you know, low-tech tone that we had going there for a while, which at this point has effectively been thrown out the window and we're now just into regular Trek again. I know, I know, he, he, it, the force field barely works, and he is also working on stuff that Starfleet had already done, but he comes up with a working force field after years of failure to do so. So, this is also when Phlox moralizes, and where Reed is correct, as I've already pointed out. This then goes back to Hoshi and to Paul, and one of the two decent scenes in this episode. Because, I've actually know I, I know, current tense, someone who I would consider a bad manager, just like T'Pol is here. Because what T'Pol does is she effectively only ever really gives negative criticism, negative feedback. Now, I'm not saying you need to praise your people all the time, but I want you to imagine that you're a worker, and your boss only ever talks to you when you screw up. How do you think that feels? What are you going to take away from that when you start thinking about it? And how are you going to process that emotionally and mentally? If all you ever hear is negative feedback, and the longer that goes on, the worse it gets, you're going to have a problem. This is one of the reasons why Hoshi snaps at T'Pol. T'Pol then has to say, oh no, you're actually awesome. And she does so in an appropriately Vulcan way. By the way, this actually lines up. I'm not making fun of T'Pol. Of course she would be this way. She's a Vulcan. Because the logic, I mentioned someone I know like this way personally, the logic is every time they don't need to mention praise because you're doing a great job 99% of the time from their perspective. So they only bring up things when you screw up, which from their perspective is, again, in the minority. You're doing great, but they don't tell you that. They say, oh, you, you missed something over here. And that's exactly what DePaul's doing. Now, I tend to be against that, like I said, because I think from the perspective of the worker. But the mentality remains. DePaul then admitting, no, you're actually really good, and telling her about the other 99% of the time is what gives Hoshi the morale boost she needs to really get working on this project and thus shows the necessity of it. It's a good moment. It's a good character moment. It helps show the two characters getting close together, and Lord knows Hoshi needs the extra character stuff, and it is very Vulcan. Credit. The next scene, which is immediately after that, is one with Travis, and is probably the best Travis scene I've seen in the whole series so far. Because he's the only one left on the bridge. Everyone else is currently in control of whatever, and... He then gets a hold of the, uh, oh God, what are they called? Cretassins, uh, that's it, uh, with Von Armstrong again. It's like, hey! And they talk. And Travis is very diplomatic, very communicative. I had no idea that this was something that would bother you this much. I, I am sorry. Yet I am deeply regretful. And he gives a legitimate and sincere apology. And. Funnily enough, that's exactly what the alien wanted. As soon as he receives that sincere apology, he's satisfied, and he helps him out. You notice that? For a species, like, I'm actually not a favor, fan of the Crutassans, because I think they're a little bit too... <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> hence the joke earlier about Season 1 TNG. But I do have to admit, 
it says something for them that a sincere apology has substantial enough weight for them that they're willing to let it slide when they receive it. That, that does say something. And we'll talk more about them in the future in another infamous episode. But I bring all this up because Travis is way more diplomatic than Archer. If you remember the beginning of the episode, Archer's response is he literally gives his apology through gritted teeth. Literally through gritted teeth, like I just demonstrated. He clearly doesn't mean it. He is not diplomatic. By the way, did I mention he is a trained diplomat? That's actually part of his resume as a captain on Starfleet. And did I mention that Archer is my single least favorite thing about Enterprise so far? I mentioned the tech thing is number two. Archer's number one. Oh, he's an interesting character, but as I kind of hinted at already, Bacula and, and is, is not salvaging it for me. Instead, he's just irritating. And I know I've said that several times, but I got to thinking. Why is Archer here? Why is he the captain? Now, I mentioned this to a couple of people on Discord, and one of them said, oh, well, this is just the main text. This is right on screen. I don't remember that. We'll see if that comes up in the future. But to my knowledge, this is still the realm of theory crafting. So I wonder if Archer is only the captain because of his dad. Because he has connections to Starfleet, thanks to his father and his father's work with Cochrane and the Vulcans and Starfleet. And because of that, he knows people personally. He is a personal friend of Maxwell Forrest, a.k.a. the CNC, or at least someone who is portrayed as the CNC of Starfleet. And even if he isn't the CNC, he's an admiral, one of the admirals. He is someone who is well-connected politically. And I think that's why Archer is the captain. Because they needed to do this big send-off thing, and it needed to be, hear me out, it needed to be someone they knew, that Earth Starfleet knew. Not the first pick of the Vulcans. Remember, we actually already heard that. The Vulcans picked someone else. And Starfleet said, no, you don't appoint our captains. We do. And so they had to go with the power play, because they're still playing the politics against the Vulcans. So they picked someone who is as anti-Vulcan as they've got, who also happens to be well-connected and blah, blah, blah. And as horrible as this sounds, this makes so much of Archer's character make sense. Why he's a bad captain, why he's a bad commander, why he has no charisma, why he's a bad diplomat, why he's bad in a fight, and why he's bad at speechifying. I know there's some bleed over on those points, but still, all of those have been established in almost every single episode this entire series so far. He is a bad captain on a level that Janeway would be envious of. I would be completely in favor of this, if not for the fact that I just find him infuriating. This is why I keep bringing up the Bacula thing. I wonder if a better actor would be able to portray this bumbling idiot who has been shoved into a position he is not qualified for in a way that doesn't make him irritating for me, the viewer. Because remember, even deliberately irritating is still irritating. Just food for thought. As, as ever, I would really like to hear your thoughts on this. This is something that's been bouncing around my head for a while now. And the scene with Travis really nailed home just, just really how much better equipped an ensign, who has no command experience whatsoever, is equipped to be a commander than the captain. 
So then the episode becomes stupid. And what happens is the, the they talk to this thing. Remember, they've got a ticking clock. It's so integrated to them that they're starting to shut down. And they've, they're minutes away from death. From effectively death. But they say it is... So what I'm trying to say here is... The idea isn't just that it's plugged into you and then you could just pull it out like it's a USB cord. The way it's implied is this thing is slowly chemically and biologically integrating with their minds. That's hence the connection thing. One organism instead of five or whatever. Um, so when they talk to it and convince it they're taking it home, how does it disentangle within seconds from all of them and they're fine? This is magic, and the as in the confetti kind of a way that I've referred to several times before. It happens because it needs to happen this way for the plot, with absolutely no reason, logic, or sense put into it. And most importantly of all, the writers didn't think about it. The dilemma is over, because we have now communicated with the creature, therefore, the dilemma is over. What are you talking about? There's no consequences here. It'd be stupid. So they take the thing back, and they even are like, oh, I wonder why it came out, why it decided to integrate this. Oh, roll credits. I, I'm sorry. I sound so harsh here. I have uh, had a lot of feedback in the last few years that I've been getting more and more negative, and I swear it's not deliberate. I, I'd like to say I can prove that. After all, I did just cover Shuttlepod 1, which was an awesome episode that really got to me. But... I don't know. I don't know. I suppose we'll see where we go with the rest of season one. We're, we're, we're barreling through here. We're almost done with season one. And remember, I don't remember any of this crap, so this, this is completely off the books for me, or off the, off the charts for me. So I suppose we'll see how much more negative we can get next time. <laughs>